Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Marjorie. Margie Suru Alea Shalom, Leilui Nishmat Margalit Bat Jamile, sponsored by Teddy Suror and family. As well, dedicated in loving memory of uh, and Leilui Nishmat Nisim Ben Amelia, Alea Shalom, sponsored by his son Rafi Hasbani, Hazaku Baruch. Breakfast in the class, also dedicated in loving memory and Leilui Nishmat uh, Faraj Geol Ben Batia. Remembering our dad on his 79th birthday and always his loving children, Miriam and Nehemia, Zaku Baruch. Uh, breakfast is also sponsored by Shmaya Stimler, dedicated in honor of the Rabbi Shiurim, Zaku Baruch. And finally, as well, excuse me, uh, dedicated loving memory of Lunishmad Rachel Bat Sarah, sponsored by her grandchildren, Allah Shalom. Dedicated also in celebration of the engagement of Sarah Levy to uh, Mikhail or Michael Giami, sponsored by Michael's brother. Julian Giami, Hazaku Baruch, you should be zocher to see only Nachat. And last but not least, today's shiur is dedicated Yaakov Yisrael Ben Tamar Malka for My friends, let us begin. In Parashat Vayakil Kpikudeh, the Jewish people begin the process of building the entire Mishkan. All the kelim, all the vessels, all the clothing, and finally everything is done. And the Pasuk says right at the end, Vayivarech. Otam Moshe, and Moshe blessed them. What did Moshe bless them? Rashi says, Yehi ratzon yidechem. Moshe gave them a blessing. The blessing was, may it be God's will, that the God's presence should rest in the work of your hands. What a beautiful blessing. Hazal tell us, what is the main ma'ase yadaim, the main actions a person has in this world? His children, the family he builds. So Moshe's berachah, means that God's presence should rest on the children, on the house that you build. But what I find so interesting, aside from this magnificent berachah, um, what I find so interesting about this sentence, about this sentiment, is that they needed to be a biracha at all. Let me explain. Let me explain. Imagine I'm in a restaurant. I flag down the waiter. I say to the waiter, I would like, please, the uh, Delmonico steak, medium rare, with uh, French fries on the side, truffle fries. I can't drink Diet Coke anymore since I had Corona. Diet Dr. Pepper, only soda I can drink. <laughs> Very specific orders, right? The waiter comes by, brings me the steak, exactly as I said, medium rare. Delmonico steak. Truffle fries, Ishtabach Shemo. Diet Dr. Pepper, Azaku Baruch. He did exactly what I asked, right? Could he do more than exactly what I asked? No. Does he need to wonder whether or not he's going to make me happy? Sir, do you like the food? Is this what you want? Obviously, it's what I want. It's what I ordered. Right? You sure you don't want to change your mind? You don't want the chicken? I told you what I want. You don't got to ask again, is this what you want? Moshe Rabbeinu's Be'acha over here seems strange. God goes for two parashiyot, in one breath God gives you 
the minutia of every piece in the Mishkan, how it has to be built. Every tapestry, how it has to be woven. Which threads go into which one? Which color the threads are? If you're going to make the breastplate, what metal it needs to be made out of? If you're going to take the linen for the clothing of the Kohen, it can't be woven this way. It needs to be woven using a box knit. God goes to much more detail than my medium rare Delmonico steak, truffle fries, Diet Dr. Pepper. The Jews kill themselves and they produce exactly what God says. Exactly like what God commanded Moshe. In fact, there's even things that Bitzalel does in building the Mishkan that Moshe didn't tell him. And the Pasuk says, Bitzalel got it exactly right. He knew exactly what God wanted. in a way. He knows what Hashem wants. So every single thing is exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu ordered on the list. What Hashem told Moshe. Moshe comes along now and he says, he gives him a beracha. Please, God, Hashem, the Shekhinah should rest. Of course, that is, this is what Hashem asked for. And what was the purpose of the Mishkan? God said, bring it to me like this, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And when you build it, like we say in the field of dreams, if you build it, I will come. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, you finished it? Hashem, I bless the Jewish people. You should come and rest on there. That's, that was the deal. Why do we need Moshe Rabbeinu's Beracha? This is a powerful question. But the truth is, it's not only here where we find this idea. At the end of the Amidah, after doing all of our prayers, right? What do we say? Ritzeh. Can someone remember the words of Ritzeh? Hashem, desire your children. Listen to their prayers. Who commanded us to pray? Where did that command come from? It came from God. Exactly when, exactly how? Machloket. But the fact that we bring our tefillot, that's what God asked for. When we bring our korbanot, who asked us to bring those korbanot? God did. We brought it the way He asked. What happens when you finally finish Amidah? Hashem, let the words of my mouth be desirous to you. Right? And all of my heart's intentions, may they rest before you. Right? Beautiful words. So after my prayer, what do I do? I pray for my prayer. I just put my whole prayer there. Take my tefillah. Take it up to the heavens. Enjoy it. Answer it. But not only do we pray for our prayer, after our prayer, we also pray for our prayer, before our prayer. Hashem, open up my lips and let my mouth speak your praises. It's mind-blowing to me that there's a tefillah here, a prayer. We pray for our prayer before our prayer, and then we pray for our prayer that we just prayed after the prayer. What are we doing? 
<clears throat> and the answer, my friends, is not blowing in the wind. The answer, my friends, is in each and every one of us. Rahmana liba bai. The Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what does he want? He wants your heart. That's what he wants. When God asks for the chatzi shekel, someone shared this with me only yesterday. Hazaku Baruch, Rabbi Yoel Brach. A person comes, they give him ma'atzit shekel. Moshe doesn't understand, Hashem shows him a coin of fire. Moshe Rabbeinu says, I don't understand. You know, I can't get this mitzvah giving a half a shekel. Asks everybody in the world and their brother, what did Moshe not understand? He said, give a half a dollar. That's it. That's all he said. It's obvious what he means. And I believe he said, he shared with me in the name of the Satmar Rebbe. He said as follows. He says, what Moshe said is, you're asking me to take all this money, all these donations, and to allocate the best of a person's intentions to the, best, uh, to the best parts of the Mishkan. The person that comes with the intention of kavod, of honor, of glory, the person that wants the applause, you're asking me to allocate that money to buy toilet paper for the Mishkan in the bathroom. You want me to know where all the money should go. How can I know that? And God says, test the fire. See the fire with which they give their donation. And when you witness the way that they give, the energy, the passion of the way that they give that money, then you'll know already how holy that donation is. So I said to Rav Yoel, I said to Rav Yoel Brach yesterday, I said, I'd like to add that it's not just about where the money goes, but rather God says, Ki kesef, the silver in this world, who does it belong to? Me. Gold in this world, who does it belong to? Me. God doesn't need your silver. He doesn't need your gold. Anything God needs, He can take Himself. He can create Himself. There's one thing in this world that God cannot create. And that God, in a certain way, has no control over. Because God set it up that way. God set it up that the one thing He cannot, will not control is your free will, your desire, what you want to do. That comes from you. So Moshe Rabbeinu, what he didn't understand perhaps is, what is the point of all of this? I'm going to collect the silver from them. You could make it rain. The same way you made it rain manna, you could make it rain gold. By the way, we know that the special stones were donated by the Nisi'im, the leaders of the tribes. Our rabbis ask, where did they get the special stones from? And the answer is that when they went out to collect their portion of the man, Hazal tell us that they found, mixed in with the man on the ground, they found a precious stone. Each one found a stone that they needed to be able to fill the 12 stones of the Choshen and the two stones of the shoulder blades. If anyone has to answer this question, I'd appreciate it. I want to know if there's 14 stones, which Nasi found two? A little trivia, if anybody knows the answer to that, I'd love to know. 
But the point is, that came to them in the man. God could have made all the ingredients that they needed also just come to them. Isn't this obvious? So what did God want? God said, I could build myself a palace of gold and I could build myself a mishkan of silver, of copper, but the whole point is that it came from them, that they wanted it. I love this line in Shir Hashirim. The Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, The inside of God's sanctuary is paved with the, with the love of the daughters of Zion. That is its floor. That's what we walk on when we walk in the Beit HaMikdash and the Mishkan. How much a person's heart was in what they did. My friends, that's the point here as well. You know, when it comes to a steak, a steak is medium rare. If the steak is cooked to a certain temperature, it's medium rare, perfectly cooked. If the fries are cooked in a certain way, fried, not too much, not too little, perfectly done. Does it matter at the time when the chef is making your steak, if he's thinking about his wife and children, or if he's thinking about his mortgage, or if he's thinking about the Yankees, probably if he's thinking about the Yankees, he would burn your steak because he's too depressed. But the point is, does it matter what he's thinking about? It doesn't matter ki It doesn't make the steak taste any better or any worse. Nobody cares. The chef does not need to sit there and say, doesn't say that anywhere. There's no obligation. There's no benefit. But when it comes to tefillah, when it comes to our avodah, our mitzvot, our ma'asim tovim, it's not just that heart is an element. Heart is the only element. It's the only thing that God wants from us in this world. Rachmana libabai. In all of those mitzvot, what does He want? He wants your heart. So before we start praying, what do we say? Open up my lips. And let my mouth say your praises. I always love the idea that we ask Hashem not just to open up our lips, but that my mouth should say. There are many different words for speech in Hebrew. Dibur, Amira, all those mean to speak. Hagadah means when you say things that are very tough. In the language of our rabbis, Devarim Akashim Kigidim, things that are tough when you're chewing on the meat and you get a thick vein, no matter how much you chew, you ain't getting through that. Eventually, you have to do that little thing that we all get to do, you know, at the restaurant or at the wedding. <laughs> because you can't, you can't get through it. We ask Akadosh Baruch Hu, not just that we should ask for the things that are easy for us to ask for, but also to ask the things that are very tough for us to ask for. You see, some people think that the definition of kavanah, of intention, 
means pirush hamilim. Explanation of the words. That's what they think it means to have kavana. But in actual fact, my friends, I'd like to disagree. I don't think that that's all kavana means. Kavana doesn't mean that you're saying to God, please heal Rifa'enu, Hashem, please Hashem, Rafen, we will become healed. Hoshim, Hashem, ki tehila, for you are our prayer. Please raise. No. No. That's not kavana. It's also a part of it. You have to know what you're saying. Otherwise, but you want to know what kavana is. What's the end of that beracha? For you are a God, Melech, Rofer, Haman, Neeman, Atta. A person is having kavana and rifa'enu when they think to themselves, the only being in the world that can fix this disease, but that I have, is you. Please! You ever see a guy go to court to fight with an insurance company to pay for a medical procedure that's going to save his life? He hires the best lawyers. They come up with a plan. They write out the thing. Look, it's covered. You have to cover this person. Giving us less coverage is not going to get us... They're fighting, they're fighting, they're, because they know that without the insurance company, they can't pay for the procedure. That guy, when he's in the courtroom, when he's on the phone arguing with the person, he really believes in the healing powers of the insurance check. Do you believe in the healing powers of God as much as you believe in the healing powers of the insurance check? That's kavanah. But it's very difficult to say that and to feel that. You know how we like to relate to God? Kind, benevolent, benevolent Santa Claus in the sky. Could you give me this? Thank you. You're so kind. You're so nice. Could you give me that? No. It's not a nice process. You're on your knees. Begging for parnasah, for shalom bayit. You know, you know when you're stuck in a problem and you come, you need to speak to your therapist, you need to speak to your rabbi, you're talking things over. Rabbi, I don't know what to do. There's no way out. There's a problem. This is a doozy. This is a big problem, rabbi. Inve inevitably, you'll get the phone call and the guy will be like, Rabbi, you have a couple minutes? What does he mean? You have a couple weeks? This, the mother and the father-in-law, this one, that one, they're fighting, legal, this, I can't sleep at night, I'm vomiting, all, wild, taking over the guy's whole life. I need to speak to this one, I need to speak to that one, I don't know what to do. Don't ask me, ask him. We're looking for CBT, for FBT, for DBT, family-based therapy, Coaching-based therapy, behavioral therapy, fantastic. And a person should do everything that is in their power to be able to get healthy. But if you suffer from anxiety and you're nervous all the time, that should be your jam. You should listen to that song on repeat. So we pray before we pray because we don't know how that prayer is going to turn out. Am I going to be attached? 
Am I going to be present? Not just with God. A lot of people are very present with God. They're very connected in their prayers with Hashem. The problem is that they're not connected with themselves. I have a mashal. You know, on your phone, if you have a number saved in your phone, you could call that person, correct? But you see people all the time walking around in the basement and in Manhattan especially, they're walking around their phone. They're going to the window. A guy looks like he's about to commit suicide. He's trying to make a phone call. Leaning out the window, 20th floor. We're trying to get reception. We're trying to connect to the big satellite in the sky. We're trying to collect to Starlink. Hazaku Baruch Elon Musk. It's only right now uh, operating in, I believe, in the Ukraine, ironically. for that one. Sometimes the problem is in connection to the satellite above. But you could have five bars. If you don't have the number, if you're not connected with the person down here, you can't make the call. So if you are aware of God's power, but you are not aware of how badly that problem is affecting you, and you can't present that to Hashem in your tefillah, then you're missing one part of the recipe. So we pray before we come to God to be able to say to Him the things that we need to say, but also to actually be able to be vulnerable enough to admit our own things. When we come to God or we come to people and we say, I'm so sorry I did this. But, the but is where you're really not sorry. So sorry I did this, but you made it very difficult for me. So what you're saying is it's not, it's not your fault, it's, it's my fault? That's, that's your apology? Sometimes it's difficult to admit what we need, what we're actually saying. It's difficult for people to accept a diagnosis. So what do they do? They go for a second opinion. Sometimes they're going for a second opinion because you're supposed to go for a second opinion. Sometimes they're going for a second opinion because they just don't like the first opinion. A person like that who hasn't accepted the challenge that he has, how can he truly pray if he doesn't even believe, understand, and accept that this is where he is? What is he asking God for? When he's asking God in Barachenu for Parnassah, and he believes that his business is perfectly fine, he has no problems, there's no issues, what is he really doing? He's paying lip service to Barachenu. Person realizes his business is on the rocks, Barachenu comes to life. God, don't give me one of those years. Kashanim hatobot Give me one of those years that afterwards we'll look back at it and we'll say, this was one of the good years. Hashem, please give me, I need a good year. Shema. Oh my gosh, Corona, forget about it. Then the aftermath of Corona, the variants, forget about it. Then the aftermath of the aftermath of Corona, forget about it. And finally you get out of Corona, and some dip on the other side of the world invades a country, and the stock market crashes. Barachenu means, say something difficult. Repeat after me. I am not in control. I'm not in control of my health. I'm not in control of my wealth. I spoke only yesterday to someone. Big Sadiq. Wonderful guy. Overnight, 
The guy, a big business, a lot flourishing, everything amazing. One minute later, he has an act of God, wipes out everything. The guy goes overnight from everything to millions in debt. Do you understand what that means? To go to bed one day, one night, a millionaire, and to wake up the next morning owing millions of dollars. Like this. There's a lot of not nice things we don't like to say, but they're, they're true. Hashiva, Hashiva, please Hashem return us. Hashiveno avinu letoratecha. How hard is it to say, I've strayed, I've walked away from you God. I'm not coming to shul as much as I should or as much as I used to. When I say brachot, I just mumble them, mumble them under my breath. I'm not as strict as I used to be with family purity. Kosher, mm, I don't eat pig, rabbi. Bacon, something else. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah? Now, when we look at other people, we're supposed to appreciate all the good that they do. When a person looks at themselves, even if they're not down on themselves, they still need to recognize. God, I am far from your Torah. Bring me home. Think of all of the bad midot that you wish you didn't have. You're a little too angry. You're a little too impatient. You're a little too judgy. You have this desire or this temptation. Hashem, I'm so far from you. Bring me home. I keep trying. But no matter what I do, I still find myself with the same problems. It's not working. Bring me home. You ever feel that way? You're driving in the car and you put in the sat-nav, the navigation, and you're driving and there's a glitch in the navigation. And it's just taking you in circles. You come around again, the thing goes up 18 minutes. You come around 14 minutes, 12 minutes, 11 minutes. It tells you make a right turn, you make a right turn. 18 minutes again. Ah! And it's all one-way streets in the Manhattan. Manhattan. You got to go all the way around now again. Some people, that's not a car journey. That's their life. And the price is not the price of the taxi meter. The price that they're losing, you're losing life itself. When you revisit the same problems over and over and over again, you can't move forward. Return me home. These are things that are hard to say. And that's why when we finish at the end of the Amidah, look carefully at those words, the prayer about prayer. May the words that I said find favor in your eyes. But the thoughts of my heart let me engage even in the difficult, sometimes uncomfortable process of prayer. Hashem, let me say the words, but not just with my mouth, with my heart. And when you've seen my, ha- my mouth and my heart come together in this way, suddenly the Shekhinah rests on your actions. You could study Torah and it could be for the wrong reasons. You could give tzedakah and it could be all about honor. 
You could do shalom bayit with your wife, treat her like a queen. But your only intention is that she treats you like a king. What'd you do then? Sophisticated manipulation. Do you understand this? After the thing is done, we look back and we say, Hashem, please, look favorably on what we've done. See the times where we had the right intentions. God, judge us favorably and rest your Shekhinah in our homes. A house that has God in it has peace in it. A business that has God in it has success even when the market is down. Your business is up. Right? What does the Pasuk say about David Amelech, about Yosef Sadiq? They were very successful. Why? And God was with him. When God's with you in the business, no market trend, no mortgage points, no fed, no one can touch you. You just have to make sure that you're putting out the proper welcome mat for Hashem. Hashem should bless us always to have Him with us in every single thing we do and to bring beracha into each one of those pathways. Baruch Adonai Amen